Hi, this is George Denho. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5x2 Podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We continue to welcome Julie Dietrich, who's going to be co-hosting with us for the next few weeks as we discuss grace and truth. And this is the focus of a Sunday morning Bible group led by Pastor John and Pastor Adam that's going to run through the beginning of October. But today is a little bit of a special episode, kind of an off week due to the, the holiday weekend with Labor Day and recording and everything. So today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, a little bit more in depth on something we talked on on a previous episode. So George, can you kind of tell us what we're going to be getting into today? Yeah, a few weeks ago, as we were talking, the concept, I think it was you that brought it up, actually, Dustin, yeah. was the idea of like rewards in heaven. And you asked about were there different rewards for different things in heaven. And as we brought that topic up, we had a few comments from folks that we uh, interact with in our building and, and also some of our friends who sent in some email or comments about what is this thing about rewards and punishments? Uh, we need, probably need to come back to a few of the accounts that we hear in the Bible that talk about rewards and punishments. And the account that I like to share a lot of times when we're talking about heaven is the parable that Jesus says about the workers in the vineyard. And in this parable, Jesus tells us about the owner of a vineyard who goes out at various times during the day and hires new workers. When it comes time for the payment at the end, all of the workers get the same payment. And of course, there's resentment because I worked all day and I've got the same payment as that person that came at the end. And we use that a lot of times to share the concept that in heaven, we all get the blessing of heaven no matter when we entered it, if we entered it as a baby or we entered it later in life. And yet there are other accounts where Jesus himself says, great is your reward in heaven, or it would be better for a millstone to be thrown around someone's neck than to lead one of these astray, where it seems like there's some other aspect of rewards or punishments in place. And so as, we, like, as we're talking about this, we've been talking about the tension between grace and truth. There also seems maybe to be a tension between the eternal reward of heaven and the levels of heaven, the glories of heaven, or the eternal consequence of hell and the levels of punishment. So as we get into this, you know, one of the things that I remember all the time, my grandma said, and then I'm sure my dad said it because my grandma said, would be something about you're going to get more jewels in your crown because of what you just did. Have you ever heard that expression, Dustin, Julie? I've heard it. I mean, I didn't hear it directly as a child or I don't have a memory of it. So if you say jewels in your crown, Dustin, were you going to throw something in there? Oh, no, I was about the same thing. I feel like I've heard that from time to time. I can't give you like a specific example of like something that I heard on a regular basis. But but yeah, I feel like it's it's a phrase that I've heard before of, yeah, jewels in your crown. So if you say jewels in your crown, what does it make you think of? Just in a very literal understanding of jewels in the crown. I just think of royalty. I think of that's pretty special. And what would be the difference between a crown and a crown with jewels in it? Distinction of honor? I don't okay. know. All right. That's a good answer. Thank you. No, no, I, 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 I don't think that's wrong. And so I think that's where my grandma, my dad would say that you're going to get a different distinction of honor because of a certain act that you did in your life. Now, again, I think my grandma's always about somebody that was long-suffering, you know. Uh, this person is taking care of their ailing parents for 20 years, and so they're going to have greater jewels in their crown. I think my dad sometimes misapplied it to our behaviors <laughs> as kids <laughs> and maybe used it kind of as, hey, don't you want some jewels in your crown? But I think that that's where the aspect of 
a greater glory in heaven. And so let's back up and let's even just talk about crowns. You know, there are a lot of websites even that talk about the varying crowns that you'll have in heaven. I went to one website preparing for this during the week, and it had six different crowns that they're named. And I go, I don't remember ever hearing about those crowns growing up. And when you read the account, those Bible references, it mentions a crown and it uses some other words around it. But I don't know that it names those crowns. So if you think about a crown, you talked about royalty. What does a crown symbolize in terms of royalty? It symbolizes you've got the power or you are in line for the power, right? I just think recently we've got, uh, uh, not too many years ago, we have a new king in England, right? I think that was last year. Last year? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a whole big discussion about who's the next in line for the royalty you know who if this king dies then who's next and and who and and it got down to the point where they were even like i think in some places they were publishing like 20 deep who mm-hmm. you know when when does this person come into power so the crown can be that you're in a family you belong to that family you may never get to the position of power but you belong to the family you belong to the family i would think that that would be maybe one of the things that we should think about with crowns is that each of us is part of god's family he's the king he'll never die he'll never be replaced but we've got that role as prince and princesses within his kingdom Hmm. that's a great correlation george nice job and and so i think again biblically speaking you got to look at bible accounts in terms of their setting you know as americans we don't think about crowns right there is no isn't it in our constitution there is there will never be royalty in the united states that there is no and that's part of that was the response to king george and his tyranny during the 1700s that we said we will never have royalty in the united states so we don't always think about crowns we need somebody to fact check on that one but yeah please 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 fact check i'm I'm not disagreeing with you i have no idea because he referenced king george so yeah you know but that that king george wasn't a good king george even though he had the right number behind his name (laughs) was still a bad king but that idea of crowns is kind of foreign to us and so when we look at crowns we have to understand i think history and other countries that look at crowns differently now, there's another aspect of crown that would fit into uh, some of our understanding of, of Bible rewards, and that goes to the fact when a gladiator fought in the arena or an athlete was involved in a competition like the Olympics and they won, they would be given a crown, a wreath of laurels, uh, which showed that they were the winner, that they used their skills, their abilities. And so there are aspects of where the Bible talks about getting that lasting crown, not a laurel wreath that will you know, dry up and get thrown away the next day, but a crown that lasts. And that's kind of that idea that we sometimes get with you know, the Christian soldiers fighting the battle against Satan. And we are not going to get that crown of leaves, but we're going to get a crown that lasts forever, a crown of eternal life. Mm. And so I think that a lot of the idea with crowns is more figurative than it is literal. So something just popped in my head. My confirmation verse, Revelation 2.10, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Exactly. So is that going to be, you're going to get a crown up there in heaven, Julie? I don't think I took it that way. But now that I'm thinking about, like, why did I choose that? I don't remember laboring over that choice. I think that just reminded me of, by his grace, I will be in heaven. I don't think I was envisioning myself wearing a crown. 
But I think every time I heard my grandma say, Jewel is in your crown, I started to, to start thinking about a huge physical crown. Mm. It, you know, and actually, I really thought about, <laughs> you guys can laugh about this, was the Burger King crown, right? Because no. my grandma actually worked at Burger King for a while, <laughs> and you could get that crown. And it had, in that gold crown, There were it, it was cardboard, and it was just you know printed on there, but there were jewels around oh, in various places. Mm-hmm. And so you always kind of, oh, this is a fancy crown. It's got jewels in it. So, like, I kind of, in my mind as a kid, always pictured that it would actually be a crown that we'd be up sitting in heaven. You know, the account of Narnia, what do they become? Lucy and, and Edward, and they become princes and princesses in Narnia, right? So what do they have? They have a throne and a crown, right? Hmm. That's the symbol of their power. Sorry, I'm still back on Burger King and George <laughs> and thinking. So was part of the, uh, for the behavior was the incentive, we'll take you to Burger King and get you that crown. It's, there's something from your, from your parents. Sorry, I, I was, yeah, I'm still back on Burger Boston. King. But I, I think that's, again, a lot of times as kids, we get these pictures from Bible things and they stick in our head the rest of our lives. Hmm. But on the flip side, I don't remember as a kid ever hearing about jewels in my crown. I don't re- ever remember hearing anything about rewards in heaven. Maybe I lived a more sheltered life as far as what was discussed around my house, or I grew up like probably many of our listeners and just knew grace, by God's grace, I was going to heaven and I didn't need to worry about anything else. I feel like that's the category I grew up in. Not that I wouldn't have entertained a conversation. I just didn't have that around me. Dustin? No, I mean, I'm sure at different points growing up, you know, in, in church and stuff, hearing those things, but it really wasn't until I was in a small group shortly after college and this concept kind of came up and I was like, well, what are we talking, you know, I was like, I, you know, hadn't really thought or given much, you know, study into it and it came up and that was kind of my first, you know, kind of thinking about it even and doing some diving into like, what do we as the LCMS believe and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I think George is more that you want to dive into with this, but eventually we get to the question of, is it something that we really concern ourselves with, or should that really be a motivation for why we do what we do is to earn those quote unquote you know, jewels in the crown or anything, but I don't want to get too far ahead because I know I think there's some other stuff you want to share, George. Well, yeah, there's a few points that I want to go into here, but I think if you started actually digging in, there's a lot of verses you know that you listened to it and you didn't apply to that physical crown, the crown of life, right? You never actually thought about wearing a crown of life. As we read Bible accounts of different things, we get a picture that a lot of us know it's a mental picture, but it's a picture that God gives us of a spiritual thing that may not be be a one-to-one correlation. What What's heaven going to be like? You just go back to as simple as that. What's heaven going to be like? What are some pictures the Bible gives us of heaven? Streets of gold. Streets of gold. You had a comment about that. I think what George is oh, trying yeah. to do is he's trying to say, we have a picture in our head, but that picture is just that. It's a picture. It's not something that we can say for sure because no one's been there. And I think that's the route you're going, right, well, Eventually, let's, yeah. let's get some of the other pictures of their Bible so people can start thinking about them. So what else does Jesus or a prophet or another passage in Scripture talk about when it refers to heaven? So we've got streets of gold. We've got... So I don't know if this is biblical or not, but a lot of times, like in moving stuff, it's like the pearly gates. The pearly know? gates. Mm-hmm. That that is a reference from Revelation. This may not be like pearls and gold, but I just think bright, like so bright, we can't even take it in. 
white, bright, illuminated. How about that? The bright light would be more than just places, but it's definitely in the book of Revelation. I keep bringing up Revelation because if you are listeners following through with us on our reading plan, we're in the book of Revelation. We're wrapping up. And a lot of those pictures of heaven are in there, the pearly gates, the golden streets, the bright light, the immenseness. But there's some more simple ones that Jesus brings in himself of heaven, of the eternal banquet, Mm. Uh, you know, the great wedding feast, the uh, back the Old Testament where uh, the lion lays down with a lamb or the little child is playing over the hole of the poisonous snake. When we see those pictures of heaven, we start thinking about good things. Are we actually going to be sitting around at a banquet table for eternity eating wedding cake? Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm going to doubt it, right? Especially if you don't like cake. I'm not a cake fan. That's when, a whole different podcast yes, right there. <laughs> Well, we can have a whole definition of what dessert is, what is it. You could ask my friends about that. But like those pictures of heaven, God's given us pictures that we understand, but heaven's not anything we can ever understand because we've not been there. Right. He wrote in a way that our earthly minds could understand it. But I think you're leading to this whole idea of rewards is probably something we could never imagine or understand or even visually in our heads attain. Correct? 100% correct. (laughs) So again, when you talk about rewards, what is a reward in heaven? You know, if we think in our way, I get a bigger crown, I get a throne, I get a better seat at the table, right? Jesus talks about, you know. You get sit, a king-size bed s- instead of a queen-size right? or twin. Jesus says, you know, says, sit at the foot of the table so I can, you can come up to the head of the table. We always think about being the head of the table. But I would just like to challenge that thought, is God's idea of glory and our idea of glory the same? Because what does Jesus say? The greatest among you must become the least, and whoever wants to be the leader of all must be the servant of all. And so what if the glory in heaven is that you get a job that's more service? You know, if Jesus came as the example for us, and I've heard this said before, that our life is just a practice for heaven, maybe in heaven the greatest glory is that we get to serve more people. Do we have jobs in heaven? Again, I don't know that that's clear. What heaven often is described of more is the things that there won't be. There will not be any. Hmm. Sickness, sickness, sadness, death, pain, pain, sorrow. So we're often told more of the things that won't be there. The things that will be there, a lot of times, I think, are those symbolic things. It's going to be better than we can imagine. I think you can turn around the opposite way, too, that hell is often described in ways that we think it's horrible, right? And so a lot of our pictures of hell actually come from Dante's Inferno. Dante wrote about journeying through hell, and a lot of the pictures we have of hell come from that. Biblically, there are some examples of hell, right? So let's think about the, the reverse. When we think about heaven, let's think about the reverse. What are some of the pictures that you think about hell? I think of fire. Okay. Fire. The fire that doesn't go out. Agonizing pain. Agonizing pain. Darkness. Darkness. All right. Well, again, what are the worst things you can imagine in your life? Being in eternal pain. Always being in the dark. Not being able to see anything. But if you think about it, if there's fire, can there be darkness? Hmm. So if there's eternal fire. There's some degree of light. There's some degree of light. You know, so is hell burning and there's little red guys running around with pitchforks stabbing you? Are those all pictures that we've tried to describe the worst thing? What is hell? You know, biblically speaking, it's the absence of God. And heaven is the presence of God. The other things that go in there, they're window dressing to help us appreciate it. 
that it's better than we can imagine being in heaven and it's worse than we can imagine being in hell. Do I need to be actually tortured by being burned to death or just the knowledge that I had the opportunity to be with God and I turned it down? Hmm. Isn't that the, the hell that I would you know endure forever knowing that I had a better place? So this is kind of a random question, so if we don't want to touch on it, that's fine. But if we talk, we're talking about rewards in heaven. Is there then, like looking at the flip side of that, is there like different, I don't know if levels is the right word, of like punishment then for hell? Like is there anything, any mention of that? Or, you know, does that make right. sense? Right. Kind of? Well, and, and that would be one of our, again, our human things is we want a worse place in hell for people that are more horrible sinners, right? So everybody wants Hitler to be in the worst spot of hell, being tortured the worst because of the atrocities that he did. But is any worse, you know, any accord of that when you know there's no hope, there's no God? I'm not sure that we can either go to there's levels of, of hell. Again, that goes back. The Inferno talks about the rings of hell and all the different things. On the other side, though, there are some Bible references about there are worse sins than others. Now, again, you have to be careful how you say that because everyone goes, oh, there's no sin that's worse than another. But there are some places where Jesus says it would be better if a millstone were thrown around your neck than if you lead one of these little ones astray. So it seems like there are some things that are worse, maybe not in terms of punishment, but in terms of maybe their consequence. So I can say those of us that teach the word are held to a higher standard. Paul said that often, you know, those of you, you should not be quick to teach because those that teach will be held to a higher standard. Well, then there must be some kind of bigger consequence for it. And is that bigger consequence if I mislead somebody else? I may be responsible for them rejecting God. I may be responsible for them going down the wrong path. Hmm. This is a lot to think about, George. <laughs> I'm throwing too much out here at one time for you guys to think about it. I should have given you more questions. You know, those of you that are listening, normally we just work from an outline and we got a handful of questions and we go from that. This is one I just threw out a few ideas and I'm leaving Julie and Dustin here thinking, scratching their heads. So if there is rewards in heaven, will we know that somebody else has a better spot than us? It's a great question. I don't know. But are we going to care? Yeah. Or would it be more like the fact that we could acknowledge how somebody used the gifts of God that God had given him? So, for example, Dustin, I know you are an athlete. When you go and watch a professional, well-trained athlete perform, do you not often just say, man, that person's a great athlete? You admire how they've used their gifts and talented. You're maybe not going, well, maybe you might be saying, I wish I could play in the pros, but more often you're going, yeah, I appreciate how they've used that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, maybe there's always a little bit of like, oh, I wish I had that or could do that. But yeah, it's more of a, yeah, like an admiration of sometimes it's honestly awe of like, man, that's really cool what they've been able to do. And we don't always know the work that's put in behind the scenes, right? We, you know, sometimes just see the game or whatever, you know, when the bright lights are on. But yeah, absolutely. I think just seeing like, man, that's really cool what they've been able to do with what God has given them for sure. Or Julie, if you see, you know, you're a great teacher, but if you see somebody present a great lesson, you go, man, I can incorporate that. That's, I really appreciate mm -hmm. their gift. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you think about heaven, we see, I'm using the physical words, but we would see the way that people have used their gifts and talents and their reward is such that it shows how they use those. It would be more the appreciation of that. So I know that person there in heaven, and let's use colors, for example, got an orange jewel that says you died for your faith. Well, I look at somebody that's got an orange jewel in their crown. I go, man, they gave their life for Jesus. I really appreciate that sacrifice. Or somebody else that they've got the, the red gem means that they spent their life helping the poor. 
you know, and I can say, oh, they use their gifts. To, you know, it's an appreciation of how somebody's used their gifts. So Dustin said something earlier about the motivation behind trying to acquire these jewels, these rewards. And if our motivation is in the wrong on this side of heaven, I'm having trouble kind of organizing that in my head. George, I need some help. So here's where we would go back, Julie. I think that we as Lutherans often haven't brought up the concept of jewels in our crown because we so much focus on salvation through grace alone. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that I can do that earns me salvation. I am in heaven purely, purely by the grace of God. And so when we talk about crowns, it kind of like we go, oh, there's something wrong with that because I don't deserve any of that. And I think that's where we get into that human thinking pattern. The crowns that God's going to give us have nothing to do with our hard work to get into heaven. They have to do with how God's grace was manifested in our life. You know, when Jesus gives the parable of the sheep and the goats, what is it that he says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was sick and in prison and you came and visited me. When I was naked, you gave me clothes to wear. And the believers go, when did we do that? Because they're responding just naturally to the grace of God in their life. They're using the gifts and talents he's given to them without thinking about the reward. But then Jesus says, great is your reward in heaven because you've done it selflessly. And so, again, what is that picture of the reward in heaven? Maybe it's I get a clean toilets because that is the most disgusting job on earth. But, you know, when you think about it, that's one of the most necessary jobs that we've got on earth to keep cleanliness and, and hygiene, right? So when I'm in heaven, maybe the great glory I have is I get to serve in the way that I've been serving forever. And my fulfillment in heaven is that, like, I know that God's given me this gift and he's graciously allowed me to use this gift to serve others in his eternal kingdom. I think you used the phrase human thinking. I think that's kind of at the bottom of all this, the foundational, why we can overthink it and underthink it and think wrong about it all just because we are human. The side of heaven, we can't even understand what's going on here. We can only assume. My question is, are there toilets in heaven? <laughs> Sorry, I get caught on these random all right. things. But. All right. Again, those listeners that had me for confirmation instruction know that would be my whole thing. Heaven would be where we don't need a toilet anymore. You know, if God created us perfectly, we shouldn't need to use that facility. So anyway, sorry, a little bit of a... <laughs> Next. George, a, yeah. A little distraction, <laughs> thinking about toilets. But yeah, I think coming back to that motivation that Julie mentioned that I had talked about earlier is we probably really shouldn't be focused on like, oh, I need to do this so I can get this reward, right? Like you said, it was the, I think you used the word natural. Like it was just that kind of that outflow, right. overflow, whatever you want to say of, again, because it's all gift from God, like you said, even just our faith is a gift from God that we believe. And so, again, you talk about salvation has nothing to do with what we've done. It's all about Jesus and what he's done. And so it's, again, out of that response, we get to love people, we get to do good things, but it's not because we're trying to earn anything. It's just that it's out of response. And so I think that's more of that, that motivation, right? Versus if you start to play that, like, well, I want to do this because I want to go up a level or whatever, you know, then it's, you know, then you're, that motivation starts to get a little, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely a rub there. Yeah. Not, not in a bad way. There's just a rub. There's some friction between those two ideas that our human minds are making. Yeah. 
We are always going to have that sinful inclination. It's going to take us down the wrong path. But ultimately, everything I do ought to be in gratitude for what God's done to me. He's come to me first, and I'm only responding. My response is going to be a faint glimmer of what it ought to be. And it doesn't deserve any reward. Mm -hmm. So any reward I get Mm -hmm. in heaven is, again, solely by God's grace, not because I was so cool and I deserve it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. George, did you have any other thoughts as you know we're going through this? Anything that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to bring up? Again, I think this kind of goes back to pull it back to our truth and grace. Just make a last thing about this. As we as Christians live, we are there to spur each other on to good works. And so I don't spur you on by saying you're going to have a better crown like my grandma did. You're going to have more crowns. But like... I am reminding you of the things, the gifts that God has given to you and how you could use them. And on the other side is I don't use that kind of thing to say you're going to the worst part of hell to unbelievers. I need to speak the truth into the believers' lives that God's blessed you, use it. I need to speak that grace into the unbelievers' life that God's got something better for you. He's planned it out. You know, come be a part of it. And so uh, when we deal with believers and unbelievers, there's a, there's a slightly different approach we have in presenting God's truth and God's grace. Yeah, I think gift wrapping it a little bit differently than the crown and some of the other examples makes it seem less of a checkbox or, a you know, us having to do something. It sounds better and it's a reminder to fellow believers what God has gifted us with. I like that. You know, and again, looking at the book of Revelation, there's a lot of questions people have about the book of Revelation because there's a lot of figurative language. But originally, the original audience was one that was in persecution. And so they needed some of those encouragements to stay faithful. They needed to be reminded there's something better waiting for you. And what do we use? We use the things that we understand. In heaven, you're going to be comforted. In heaven, there'll be no tears. In heaven, you're going to have a reward. And that reward is you're out of this physical drudgery than and this physical pain that you're enduring so again as christians focus on the right thing god's graciously giving me salvation how am i going to respond absolutely well thank you everybody for listening and the next time you're at burger king i don't know if they still give out the crowns but make sure you grab one to, to give to george uh, next time you go to burger king but seriously thank you to everybody for listening and uh, we'll look forward to next week where we're going to continue on with the grace and truth sunday morning bible group with pastor john and pastor adam so we'll be talking about i think it's week five we'll be talking about next week so thanks for joining us now go out and serve god and others 